Being someone who grew up in the rural areas of the South, I can definitely attest that these stories are definitely creepy. Welcome back to the swamp, my friends. It's good to see you made it back for another episode. Today I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true horror stories from rural areas. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future video, whether it's from a rural area or something else, please be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'm always looking for new stories to share. Now, let's get into these creepy and allegedly true horror stories from rural areas. Before we get into these stories though, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Guys, it's been one crazy year, and if you're anything like me, you're definitely feeling more beat down than you used to, especially in certain areas of your life. But it's time to snap out of it. Spring is here and it's time to get sprung with Blue Chew. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in a chewable form at a fraction of the cost. Blue Chew is an online prescription service, so there are no awkward visits to the doctors, no weird conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. And it ships directly to your door in a discreet package. The process is incredibly simple. Sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. Blue Chew's licensed medical providers work with you to find the right ingredient and strength for your prescription. So, if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. We've got a special deal for Swamp Dweller listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use promo code SWAMPED at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com, promo code SWAMPED to receive your first month free. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast once again. The memory of this stormy night still sends chills up my spine to this day and goes to show that you cannot trust anyone, no matter how much you think you know about them. I was 21 years old at the time and had just graduated from Bible college. I moved up to my first job as a youth pastor in rural Indiana. It was a ridiculously small town. There was a gas station, a small coffee shop, a school, a good-sized park, and the small church I had just landed a job at. Things were tough at first, because I am originally from the southeast, and now I lived hundreds of miles away in a place where I knew absolutely no one. That is until I met him. His name was Ray, and we hit it off quickly because he oversaw the elementary school kids at the church, and I primarily worked with the teenagers. Since we were both considered to be the youth department, we would often find ourselves having lunch meetings, going on walks after work to talk about life, and would watch TV shows at each other's house. There was one night Ray slept over at my house to watch a movie with me, and I was a bit grossed out to see him come out of my bathroom after changing into his PJs. It was nothing but tighty-whities. At first, I was glad to have a friend, but after a while, I felt more and more uncomfortable. The first thing that would make someone uneasy was Ray's appearance. He stood about six foot six and had exceptionally long slender arms and legs, but his torso was very heavy. It almost seemed like the body of that cartoon frog in the old Looney Tunes cartoons. 
His face was a little chubby, nearly bald, and had glasses. You think a guy that was that big would have a deep voice, but it could not have been farther from the truth. He had a very high-pitched voice and spoke to me and the others like a mother would speak to a small child. Also, Ray had a lot of tics where he would randomly convulse his head and shoulders and he would stick out a seemingly seven-inch long tongue when he would have these random muscle spasms. I ignored them the best I could because I've honestly always been one to judge people by their character and not their physical appearance. Plus, Ray helped me move in and assisted me in painting my new place, so I felt bad for judging a guy like that. But it was disturbing, nonetheless. Even though his appearance and tics made me feel weird, it was his weird obsession with me that really made my heart sink. He would constantly ask me to hang out every waking moment. There would be times I would go to the bathroom and come out to find 11 or 12 missed calls from him. Most of the time when he reached out, I felt obligated to go, but it was always weird. Whether it was sitting with him and talking for a few hours while we worked at his mom's cake shop, inviting me to watch some lame TV shows instead of manly ones, or interrupting my video game sessions with a call to talk about how much he wants babies one day, all these interactions were pushing me away. There was even one time where he asked me to go shopping with him, and I told him that I only had time for the one store he suggested because I had a teen church service that night. He said, okay, that's fine. After we stopped, we got back into his car. He locked the doors and drove me around laughing and saying, you're not going anywhere. You're staying with me. Everyone loves Ray. After an hour of his maniac driving and driving around aimlessly blasting music, I yelled, take me back to the church. Ray got enraged that I yelled and he punched me in the junk and it hurt so bad. I squeaked with whatever voice I had left. I can't stand you anymore. And he was quiet for the rest of the drive back. Ray had driven me around so long that I ended up arriving late to the church for my teen service. To make things even worse, there were a bunch of angry parents who had been waiting to drop off their students for nearly 45 minutes. At that moment, I knew I was done. I had had enough. The next time Ray asked me to do something, I told him I could not. I was done with Ray, but he was not done with me. He called and texted almost every night with non-stop crying and begging. It was so unnatural sounding for a 27-year-old man. The best way I can describe it was like a middle school girl begging their boyfriend to stay after a breakup. And then the sadness turned to passive aggressiveness when we would see each other at church. There were even times on Sunday morning during the pastor's sermon that I would look over and Ray would be staring at me with this creepy, expressionless face. He was not listening or paying attention to the message at all. He just sat there glaring at me with this glazed expression of pain and numbness. But I could not help but feel he was fantasizing about something insidious. Eventually, Ray quit his job at the church, got a school teacher job, and seemed to make new friends. I thought to myself, finally, Ray has new friends to pester. I was in the clear. It felt as if a huge dark cloud had been lifted, and the sun shined on me once again. A year had passed by and I was now married and had my first child. I had almost completely forgotten about Ray. Where out of the blue, he called me and asked to catch up. He seemed a lot cooler, like maybe his new teacher friends have really helped him become normal. We grabbed lunch and he asked if I wanted to come to his school's football game. I thought Ray wants to watch football? Finally, something manly. My wife was going to be at a state with our baby visiting family, so I thought what the heck, and I agreed to go. 
While we were at the game with his teacher friends, it began to rain shortly into the second quarter. Before we knew it, there was a full-blown thunderstorm with high winds. So the school announced that the game was canceled and sent everyone back to their cars. When Ray and I reached our vehicles, a tornado siren began to blare. And because I lived nearly an hour away, he suggested I come back to his house to seek shelter. Tornadoes in the Midwest are not something to mess around with. So I naively agreed and followed him home. This turned out to be one of the biggest mistakes of my life. Such a big mistake that I would rather have taken my chances with the tornadoes. I could barely see, and what should have taken 5 minutes took 15 minutes. When we arrived, Ray showed me around. The house was a little creepy and ornate looking, with a lot of old dolls and thrift store looking knickknacks. Even though the scenery was weird, the evening started off fine. We watched some home improvement shows, had some snacks, and some drinks. It was a relaxing way to get away from the storm and beat driving 20 miles an hour in heavy rain for several hours. Or so I thought at first. Sometime around 12.30am the storm was still raging. So we decided to turn in for the night. And I asked Ray if I could have a pillow and blanket to sleep on the couch in the living room. He said, no let's sleep in my room. There's plenty of space in there. But I told him that that couch would be more than comfortable for me. He kept insisting over and over and over again, so eventually I reluctantly agreed. The floor in his room was so hard, and all he gave me was this tiny Winnie the Pooh kid's blanket and a flat pillow. I was tossing and turning for what felt like hours. At 2am, Ray's voice spoke in the pitch black room. You know, you can come up here with me in the bed if you want. There's plenty of room. I said no firmly and kept tossing and turning. About 30 minutes later, he asked, Are you sure? It's really fine. I do not know what came over me. But I was so tired, and my back hurt so badly that I hopped into the bed. After laying there on my back staring into the darkness, I noticed that he kept trying to scoot close to me. I figured he was just asleep, so I inched away from him just a bit. This happened several times until I was basically hanging off the bed. He scooted one more time and I turned my back to him. I held still to act like I was sleeping. It got quiet and then out of nowhere I feel his long skinny arms wrap around me and he pulls me into his flabby chest. Ray began squeezing me like a python and rubbed his sandpapery cheeks on my forehead. I shot out of bed, somehow breaking free from his grasp. I grabbed my pillow and blanket and laid on the couch after flushing the toilet to play it off like I had to go to the restroom. I was counting down the seconds until the storm ended so I made my mad dash to the car and got the hell out of there. My mind was racing as I thought about what the hell just happened in there. I was so repulsed by what Ray did to me, and I felt filthy for even being in the same vicinity of his bed. I lay there on the sofa beside the sliding glass doors in the pitch black living room. There is absolutely zero light except for the occasional flash of lightning, and the sound of the downpour and thunder was deafening. This is the moment that still gives me chills and nightmares to this day. As I laid there, staring into the pitch blackness, back facing the window, so I could watch towards Ray's room, the lightning flashed and I about soiled myself. I kid you not. I see the black silhouette of Ray standing in the doorway, a few minutes passed by and me frozen like a statue and my heart felt like it was going to beat out of my chest, I just stood there staring back. I had to act like I was asleep, I could not even move a muscle, my eyes would refuse to close though. The lightning flashed a second time, 
and I almost passed out to the sight I can only describe as a fat, slender man that suddenly appeared right above me. My blood ran cold, holding my breath as he bent down with this weird lullaby he was humming. He sniffed my hair and smiled with a little chuckle and went back to his room, whispering to himself, I'll see you again. That was the biggest nope in my entire life. As soon as I heard his door shut, I sprang up in an instant, ran down the stairs into the basement, out the back door, and sprinted to my car through the pouring rain. The hairs on the back of my neck stood up as I felt like he was right behind me, as if his long arms could wrap around me at any moment. As I tried to crank the car, I could not get it to start. I fiddled with my keys too much and locked up the steering wheel until I heard the sound of the engine firing up. As I looked up the drive, where he was once again, standing in the back doorway like Slenderman. I have never driven so fast in my life. My wife and I moved away to work at a larger church in the city, and things have been a lot less eventful, thank God. He even tried to call several times before we moved away, but I never answered. Eventually, the calls and texts stopped, and I have never spoken to Ray again. I do not know why I was so naive. I guess I just always try to see the best in people, but I cannot help but wonder what Ray would have done if I fell asleep in his house. Maybe that's what he was thinking about when he stared at me in the church those days before he left. It just goes to show that you can never trust someone, even if you think you understand them fully. Be careful out there. Watch out for predators, because they come from the places you would least expect them. Hello. I have a short and perhaps interesting story of something I cannot explain that happened to me while hunting. I live among the ridges of southeastern Kentucky. One morning in the spring turkey season, I went hunting at a large hunting club I belonged to. I woke up quite early and drove the short drive there, arriving at around 5am so I could get there before the turkey wake up, hoping to catch one leaving the roost. I walked down the large field that is near the entrance that sometimes has crops for the wildlife, but is currently mowed short. From a perspective, it is a very rural area. From the ridge top adjacent to this field in one direction, town is about five miles away, and on the other, there are tree-covered ridges as far as you can see. So, hoping to catch some turkey going to this field or the nearby pond, I sit at the edge of this field in near-complete darkness with my Remington 1187 shotgun in my lap. I sit here for probably about 30 minutes when I hear something approaching on the opposite edge where the field ends, which is probably no more than only 25 yards away. I can see the silhouette of something walking through the brambles. It is a four-legged and stocky-looking thing, probably one and a half to two and a half feet at the shorter. It does not look like anything native to Kentucky, but I just sit there and try to make it out. After just a few seconds of mulling about, it disappears quietly back into the briar patch from where it came. Then I see three or four small shapes running around in the field, almost like they're playing. I thought they were rabbits or something at first, based on their size. I could see them moving around, but again it was quite dark out. Just a new moon and a tag cloudy. Here is the weird part though. I am wearing a bright headlamp I used to walk in, and I've had off since I sat down. I don't want to let anything know I'm here, but my curiosity got the best of me. I look at the little shapes, reach up and turn on my headlamp, and there is nothing there. Weird. 
I assumed my eyes were playing tricks on me somehow. I turned my lamp off and continued waiting. A few minutes would go by, maybe about five, and there they are again. So once again I look at them. Very slowly I reach up to my headlamp, making sure they're all still there. I flick it on, and yet, there's nothing there. Now I am really confused as most animals freeze when they are unaware of your presence and are suddenly blinded by a light, and I heard no movement at all. So once again, I turned it off and waited. I am not scared at all at this point having a semi-auto 12 gauge filled with some high power turkey load. For the third time, I see these shapes come out again and start moving. I turn on my light and nothing. Now, I must know what is going on. So with my light still on, I walk over to the patch with thick brambles. I do not see anything, but as soon as I make it to the edge, something or someone bursts out and tears down the valley away from me at full speed, making this weird squealing noise. I hunted there many times before and after, and I've never seen anything like this. My best guess is it would be wild hogs, but there shouldn't be any in this area, at least to my knowledge, and they leave obvious signs that I have never seen. The little shapes I saw in the dark, they just vanished without a second when I turned on my light. Thanks for sharing my story if you choose to do so, Swamp Dweller. Much love and keep it up. I would love to know in the comments if anybody has any answers to what this may have been. Hey Swamp Dweller, I do not have much of a story but a handful of experiences. I am in my late 20s now and I have lived my whole life in the Midwest. Living in the Midwest is not that bad, but there are some times that I have felt very creeped out. When I let my dogs out in the middle of the night, somewhere between 2 and 4 a.m., there are some nights that there is just absolutely no sound at all. No wind, no insect noises, no bats flying around, and no cars driving on one of the highways a few miles away. During these nights, I feel my fight or flight kick up a bit, which is hard to do when you're trying to get your dogs to go to the bathroom, and they just stand in one spot sniffing the ground. I have heard before that when everything is quiet around you, there is a predator nearby. So on these nights, I try to be as silent as I can, while still hurrying my dogs to do their business. Sometimes it happens on a trash night, so I am taking it down to the curb. I am trying to hurry as much as I can as I live across from a field, and while I do not hear anything coming from the field, I try not to have my back to it for too long. It is always even worse when there is corn or something else that is tall growing. Another experience is when I am again letting my dogs out. It is somewhere between 1 to 4 a.m., and in the distance, I can hear the wild pack of dogs that roams around where I live. I hate hearing them as it pulls at my heart both with fear of them and concern for them. My dad always said when I mentioned them that they will not come near here. For some extra context, we do not live in the full country, but we do not live in the city or suburbs either. It's a pretty rural area. My dogs like to bark at everything they hear when we go out, so I always worried about how this might attract the wild pack when they are roaming closer to us than normal. There have been a handful of times when I have taken my dogs out, and as they go about their business, I stare at the sky. A handful of these times, I have noticed a light in the sky that flashes very slowly. 
I know that this is not one of those towers with the lights that blink on and off. For one, the light is way too high. Like an airplane high. I also know that it's not an airplane or a helicopter as there is no noise accompanying it. Plus, an airplane has three lights that all blink with a certain tempo. I know it is probably a far off star or something. The odd thing to me is how entrancing it was. This light blinked like it had a slow pulse. These are my experiences. They may not be in your face scary, but in the abstract, they were at the very least creepy. Swamp Dweller, if you read these experiences, thank you so much. Everyone should remember, if it suddenly gets quiet around you, you might not be alone. Hey, so I have never written about my experiences with the outdoors, but I need some answers or opinions on something I encountered. So last night, I was heading back from my girlfriend's house. She lives in a very rural area. The day before, she and I crashed my car into a fence post on the same road due to an unknown reason. I was driving, and when we were going around a corner on the gravel road, we were not going faster than 15 or 20 miles per hour. There were no skid marks or objects in the road to cause an accident, but as we got out of the car to assess the damage, we heard a god-awful scream in the woods. It sounded like a bobcat killing a woman. It was loud enough to hear over the rumble of the truck engine as well. We sat in my vehicle for at least two hours, and while we were waiting for help, we smelt something that was terrible. I'll never forget it. The only smells that I can use to describe it are that of rotting flesh, wet dog, sewage water, and burning hair, all rolled inside of a dead animal. That would best describe it. As I was making my way home from her house, it was about 9pm and dark with no street lights. In my dim, barely working headlights, I saw this thing. It was about the size of a large lab, if I had to guess. It seemed to have no fur, but it was dirty white. I could not tell, but it looked like it was injured. And me being the animal lover I am, I had to stop and roll down my passenger side window and whistle at it. As soon as I rolled down the window, I smelled that horrible smell again. So I grabbed my spotlight and shined it on the thing. And I kid you not, its neck snapped around and looked at me with those piercing yellow eyes. That is when I tore out of there like a bat out of hell. I am about halfway down the dirt road when I spot a blacked out newer GMC. Just sitting there on the side of the road with no lights on other than the glow of a cigarette in the cab. Being terrified as I was, I blow straight past them, and as I'm passing them, they cut on their headlights and start after me. I have seen that movie before, so I take a few wrong turns to see if he is truly following me. So I take three wrong turns, and he is still riding my tail with his high beams on. I am panicking at this point, so I call my dad saying someone is following me. My father says to take him to the back gate, so I floor down a single lane dirt road trying to lose this guy. As I make a quick turn onto my road, I black out my lights and see him blow straight past me on the road I was previously on. I meet my dad at the gate, and he has a gun in hand. I still have so many questions about what happened last night. I do not know if they are connected or a series of creepy events. If y'all have any questions or answers, please let me know in the comments down below. This happened in rural Georgia, by the way.
I am a 30-year-old teacher teaching in a rural area. And by rural, I mean somewhere in the middle of a dense jungle. At first, I thought it would be ridiculous to have a school constructed in a place like this. But here in North Borneo, it is not much of an implausibility. My story consists of a two-part anecdote. I came from my ancestors who were believed to practice witchcraft. So, it might have been exceptionally long ago, but people still follow their ancestors to this day. These people were called Bobolian. They are inputted to have supernatural gifts back in the day, including the ability to communicate with other entities from the other realms. Mind you, this happened before religions were introduced in our place. However, these gifts, or what some people call the curse, were passed through generations, and although we are not much talked about these days, they still could be observed here and there within our family. My siblings, of course, were the chosen ones. My earliest encounter with supernatural entities could be traced back to when I was living with my grandparents. Since we lived in a low socioeconomic state, my parents had to burn the midnight oil grinding stone just to provide for us. We then had to be taken care of by our grandparents, who built a small hut on their farm to live at. I remembered the moon was full during this one night and all of us had to put ourselves into the slumberland. There was this loud howling that awakened me exactly right outside of my hut. So I decided to peek through a small slit between the walls. To my surprise, my graze struck upon a fair glowing white wolf howling at the beautiful full moon. It was relatively bigger than a normal wolf, just with crimson red eyes. And its fur was one thing that mesmerized me. It was as if it was glowing. It reflected the full moon's illumination that glows so gracefully and the area became as bright as daylight. That was when my grandparents woke up and told me to continue my sleep. Later, when I asked them what it was, they told me it was the spirit of the jungle, and I was lucky to be able to see it. Fast forward to where I am now. My ability to sense and see things other people could not have long been addressed by myself. It is already so normal for me to stay in a cemetery alone at nighttime during our All Soul Festival to have the place cleaned. My colleagues are aware of this too. I remember during this one time when we were at school and the water supply system was broken. There was a small creek located at the foothills where we usually go for our bath. It was dusk and we were only accompanied by the light of our headlights. It was about normal until the day after. During recess time, we all gathered at the canteen to talk about how we needed the water supply system fixed so we do not have to take our bath at the river again. My colleague was shocked when I asked him if he saw the woman and her child who were there at the river last night with us. To his horror, the canteen lady, a local there, overheard our conversation. She began telling us this. There was a pregnant woman who passed away a very long time ago, right at that river we usually go to. I was not amused by this, but with a smile, I simply replied to her, Well, the child is all grown up now and seems to be happy with his mother. I can see their creeped out look when I said these words. This year, when the pandemic hit, it was hard news for our country. Schools must be closed for a few months. Regardless of this, I have applied for an interview for a new position in my career journey at the beginning of this year. When schools were temporarily open during August and September, the supervisors from the upper level decided to conduct my interview at the school. It was Friday, 
and normally I would drive back with my other colleagues out from the jungle to our hometown. But I was so tired from all the interviews and the presentations that I chose to stay at the school instead. This time, alone. So I have the whole school to inspect just for myself during that weekend. I remembered it was exactly midnight when I was watching the television, and my stomach suddenly growled for food. So I went to the kitchen and fried myself up some nice chicken drumsticks. That is when I heard someone knocking on the front door. I tried to brush it off, but not knowing who or what it was is weird. This time it was different though. I just got this vibe. Even though the house was fully lit with light, I could feel this tremendous darkness creeping up my surroundings. My vision is still fine, but my feeling was not. It was as if the whole world was entirely consumed by pitch black darkness and nothing can ever be seen or felt for. The feeling stayed for a couple of seconds and mind you, it was not terrifying at all. I was not scared, but I just felt so depressed. When I woke up the next day, I was told by one of the villagers that someone had passed away the night before. During the exact same time, I heard the knocking on the door. And this, believe it or not, was not the first time I saw or felt someone announcing their death. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true horror stories from rural areas. If you enjoyed these stories, please hit that like button as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this video gets, the more YouTube promotes it in the algorithm. If you're listening to this on iTunes or another podcast platform, please give this a 5-star rating as it helps me out a ton over there. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? Hit that subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new episode as I upload them almost every single day, and all things natural and supernatural. If you guys have a story that you would like to share in a future video, whether it's from a rural area or something else, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that truly help keep this show going on a daily basis. If you're on the go, but don't have YouTube Premium, but still want to listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories wherever you go, you can download them absolutely free from iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and just about everywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. And it's free. If you guys would like to support the Swamp outside of hitting that like button, giving us a 5-star rating on iTunes, and subscribing, maybe check out the merch store. I have everything from t-shirts, face masks, hoodies, and more. I'd love to see you guys wearing some cool swamp threads. I'd love to know in the comments down below what story was your favorite tonight, and I'll see you guys soon with another creepy video.